Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Don't just show up, you know, transform the work yourself and everybody around you. Be needed, be interesting, be something that no one else can be. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the GRC Institute. And today with us, we have Joe Canavan. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, congratulations again on your award. Uh, well, on your team's award. So I think it was the, the Risk Team Award that you received from us at the conference. Yes, that's correct. Very excited, very proud of the team. It was a, a fantastic recognition full of the hard work that the team has put in the last you know 18 months and so, so really pleased with that award. So now that we have you as our captive interviewee on the podcast, uh, I guess, tell us a little bit about your own professional development journey um, to the show. Sure, sure. So like probably most people, I didn't know um, what I wanted to do after I finished my HSC. So I started an entry-level role at NAB in Melbourne. Um, In my mind, I was only ever going to be there for a year then go to university. Well, my gap year turned into 15 years. My first role was an entry-level role, as I said, as a teller. Um, But I was really fortunate doing a variety of roles with NAB. Every couple of years, I was lucky and fortunate to move around the organisation, do very different roles. You know, I was a branch manager. I also worked in the contact centre as a sales coach when NAB started selling credit cards, home loans, personal loans over the phone. Um, that was in the mid-90s. And then I was also involved in large-scale projects and then managing NAB's fleet of ATMs. So as you can see, I had a very varied career. But just a couple of years before I left NAB, I saw a role for a compliance advisor role and I was like, well, I don't know anything about compliance except that I knew that I had to complete my CBTs every year. So um, when I spoke to the recruiting manager, he was just basically looking for someone with stakeholder management experience. He didn't really need to know compliance. It would be learnt on the, on the job. So I thought, well, you know, why not put my hat in the ring and see what happened? And, you know, I was fortunate to get the role. And then my passion for all things risk and compliance just grew from there. And from NAB, I just took a huge leap of faith and moved my young family at the time up to Queensland. And, you know, I didn't know very many people here. All my family was still in Melbourne. But I, you know, joined Suncorp for the first time um, in a group compliance role. But after a couple of years being in that role, I was approached to move to another Queensland-based organisation, so BOQ. And there I spent, I guess, the next nine years just honing my leadership skills, um, also, you know, implementing major regulatory change reforms. So there was the National Consumer Credit Protection Act, there was the Anti-Money Laundering Canada Terrorism Financing Act. I was also um, involved in, you know, mergers and acquisitions and also building a regulatory affairs um, program from from scratch. But what I really loved about BOQ is, you name it, I did it. Um, And that was also doing BAU activities, you know, providing advice to the business and completing supervision and monitoring activities. So it was just a really good opportunity to sort of, you know, you know, just not do one aspect of risk and compliance. So in large organisations, you might just go in and monitor 
or you might do control testing, whereas you name it, I did it across that, across my time at BOQ. So, you know, that, that was just a really great learning experience for me. I did go back to uni part-time during that time, so I did get a grad dip in compliance and I also completed the graduate certificate in compliance management when GRC was formerly known as the Australasian Compliance Institute. So, you know, although I didn't go back to uni straight away um, when I first joined the workforce, you know, I have got a few, um, you know, compliance qualifications under my belt, but, you know, I then started to get real itchy feet and I just saw another opportunity at Suncorp, um, you know, for the second time. And that was to lead a second line uh, compliance and regulatory affairs team. And it was funny coming back to Suncorp after all those years because, you know, a lot of the people that I worked with previously were still there. Some of them were actually in the team that I started to lead. Um, but, you know, the role has definitely taken on many different changes and restructures in almost the seven years that I've been here, but I really love working for Suncorp. You know, they do say that culture eats strategy for breakfast, and that's something I definitely agree. You know, I really love the culture here at Suncorp. You know, our, our senior leaders just really present, and it's just a great place to work. And, you know, our new ambition, um, which is to create a brighter future. It's it's a shift to being, you know, a purpose-led organisation and a bank that's good for our customers and one that's good for the world, which really resonates with me. You know, I'm very passionate about risk and compliance and making a difference, which aligns with Suncorp's ambition. You know, I make it my mission to make it easier for our frontline to comply with their compliance obligations you know, without them having to remember everything they need to do, you know, to give a disclosure out here, to read a script here, you know, by having the, um, you know, appropriate systems tools in place for our staff to make it easier to serve our customers. I guess that's fundamentally, you know, what I'm really passionate about. But um, I guess that's a really quick overview of my journey and how I got to lead the risk team of the year. That sounds good. And, you, and it's good that you mentioned a bit about your team and some of the people you've worked with in the past before. I mean, tell me a bit about, I know your team is really important in getting the job done. So if it's possible, tell me what you can about your team and how that sort of came together. When I first started leading the team, we only had 10 people in the team. Um, we purely looked after first line risk and compliance and quality assurance. That was for our branch network and also our Sun Advice business at the time. We were actually a centralised function back then, um, but today the team looks very different. We, you know, we've got 27 team members. We still provide first line risk and compliance advice and oversight, including QA for our um, consumer distribution branch and contact centre but we also execute our business banking and wealth QA programs, which actually came off the back of uplifting our quality assurance programs. We're decentralised now. Um, I report to the EGM consumer distribution, which was a little bit hard to get used to at the beginning because, you know, being a centralised um, function reporting to a head of compliance that looked after um, risk and compliance across the consumer area was was as I said, trying to sort of understand, well, how can I still be independent? But, you know, it's proven that I can still be independent, which is great. Um, but we're definitely, as I said, centralised. We're geographically dispersed now. So I've got a few members that sit in New South Wales and they rem um, work remotely from home as well. Um, 
we no longer look after Sun Advice because we no longer offer that service to our customers. I still have three original team members. Um, one of them includes Tony Vivas, who is one of my managers, and she's very instrumental in us winning this award as well in, uh, in driving um, our uplift in our QA program. So big call out to her. You know, we built the QA program from the ground up. The program now provides management with greater level of assurance, helps us meet our licensing obligations. And I'm just, as I said before, really proud of the team and what we were able to achieve. And, you know, this was all done with limited resources. And when the team, we had to roll back our QA activities because they were originally done um, offshore. So when COVID hit in March last year, as you know, we had to scramble because we didn't even have a strategy then. Um, we were used to supervising the people that did it for us and then we had to bring it back on shore and do it ourselves. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's you know, the team and, and how it operates now. So it, it's it's come a long way in four years and, you know, uplifting, one, uh, uplifting risk maturity is definitely, you know, something that I try and achieve all the time. Well, my next question is going to be, what are some of the most challenging and um, rewarding aspects of your job? But I feel like you already showed a bit of a challenge yeah. there with how COVID impacted you. Are there any other challenges or sort of rewarding stories you'd like to share? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think one of the most challenging for risk and compliance professionals is just managing our stakeholders, um, you know, and, our, and their expectations. And, you know, as I mentioned, 2020 was would have to be one of the most challenging um, years that I've ever had. And, you know, even during that time, um, you know, we onboarded team members into our team and I didn't even meet them for six months because we went from working one to two days a week working from home to working full-time permanently at home, you know, for a period of up to six months. So, you know, definitely what, what we kind of did to make sure that we were maintaining that engagement in the team was, you know, we'd have virtual morning teas via Zoom, we'd have Friday drinks, we'd have baby photo guessing competitions, we'd have, you know, take a photo of your front door and have a number of items that kind of represent who you are and try and guess which front door belongs to who. So just trying to keep that connection, which is really important when you're not together, you know, every day, all day, um, and making sure that, you know, um, you know, people are engaged and, and they, you know, we definitely had to pivot to new ways of working and just thinking outside of the box. So that was definitely the most challenging. Um, most rewarding for me, and, you know, I am pretty biased that I do work with an awesome team. So I'm really, I do feel privileged for leading the team that I lead. Um, you know, they deliver day in, day out. You know, I am pretty hard on them too they'll probably tell you like I consistently drive them you know I'm always saying to them let's look at things differently what's our value add how can we automate how can we make things easier for our stakeholders for the front line let's challenge the status quo um, so it's rewarding for me to see them grow and develop and push themselves you know even when things get tough um, you know they're always as I said they're the engagement is really high because, you know, we drive that engagement. We work hard in maintaining, uplifting. And, you know, let's face it, we spend more time, you know, working than, than not. And you, you want to make it a fun and safe environment for everyone. So health and well-being is very important to me, you know, especially when our whole lives change when COVID hit. And although Queensland, we haven't suffered as, you know, as much as, you know, 
New South Wales and, and, you know, Melbourne have. But, you know, it certainly did change people and people that were used to being connected and, you know, suddenly had to then work from home. And, you know, some were, lived alone as well, you know, making sure that, um, you know, we touch base with them and see how they, they're going and feeling and that their well-being is good is, is you know, something that, that I strive to do. And, you know, it makes me happy when my team are happy in a nutshell. Yeah, excellent. So, you know, you've had quite an eclectic background of many different roles within an organisation. You've moved different organisations, you've moved state. Um, is there anything you wish someone would have told you <laughs> at the start of your, I guess, this final stage of your career, maybe, or even at the beginning when you started um, that uh, you would like to share with anyone else? <laughs> sure. So I think you'd probably have to agree to agree with me that you need to have thick skin to work in risk and compliance you know don't don't take things personally and choose the hill that you want to die on not everyone's going to be happy with the advice or the review outcomes you know the findings that you deliver you just need to pick the battles and have someone in your corner that will be an advocate for you one of my favorite quotes as well is you know you, you can't just be talented you also have to become necessary to people by working hard and well and bringing more than your bones and your skin to the project. Don't just show up, you know, transform the work yourself and everybody around you. Be needed, be interesting, be something that no one else can be and consistently, which is, you know, Catherine Hepburn, you know, quoted one of her quotes and it's one that sort of resonates with me as well. And funnily enough, I was talking to one of my colleagues the other day and she said to me that one of a really good piece of advice that she received when she first started at Suncorp was that um, an auditor said to her, you know, trust is good, but control is better. And this is so true for our profession as well. You know, you can measure, you can test, you can strengthen, you can enhance controls to make sure things are going right. But relying on trust alone, whilst good, you know, it doesn't achieve the same outcome as putting in the controls to mitigate against risk to our business, which is much better. And, you know, if I relied on trust in my um, earlier career at NAB, I actually don't think I may have ended up in risk and compliance. Um, you know, I remember being a relieving branch manager and at the end of the day when it was time to lock up the cash, you know, we counted all the treasury cash. There must have been probably, you know, $400,000 just sitting there on the counter and, you know, Mary, let's call her, I can't even remember if that was her name, but, you know, Mary said, you know, I'd said to Mary, let's put the cash away. Um, and she said to me, Joe, just leave your keys there. You know, I can put it away for you and I can give you keys back tomorrow. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, Mary, not on my watch. Um, you know, the controls are there in place for a reason. Did I like Mary? Yes. You know, was she trustful? I didn't need to test her trustworthiness because we put the cash to away together um, using the two separate key person control that was in place to mitigate the risk of that cash going missing. Mm. So I think that that's really wise advice. You know, trust is good. Um, control is better. So, yeah, a couple of learning, key learnings, I think, that we could all take away. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joe. You're welcome. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.